conversations that should be starting and and how do we approach those conversations because admittedly black woman white man Mm -hmm. sometimes i think people are just too afraid to have these conversations so what are you seeing from your vantage point yeah you know it's interesting you talk about 2020 and and you know all all that's happened you know from from a racial inequality standpoint and civil unrest and you know i think about my career in automotive and how have I been successful in navigating this industry, which isn't overly diverse? You know, when I speak at a conference, when I spoke at NADA, I may have been the only black person that I remember. I don't think Corey Mosley was speaking that year or Glenn Lendy. Um, right. so I think I might have been the only one um, or Shaka. Um, and I definitely was the only black woman, at least in that year. So I've always been kind of used to standing out and being different. And I've always been comfortable in some ways with that. I grew up in a very diverse area, the San Francisco Bay Area. Okay. Um, and, and in some ways, my knack has been, you know, bonding with white men, right? Sure. Like on a very personal level. And I think, um, you know, as, as the head of communications, as a person that's represented a company as the industry relations person for many years, you know, part of my job is to really stay under the radar in some ways, right? To not ruffle feathers, to not cause dealers to not like my company or right. me. And so it's, it, it, I haven't really tackled race per se. I've been very comfortable talking about gender because I think everyone's kind of okay talking about gender, but for some reason, when we talk about race, it causes everybody to get uncomfortable. Right. Um, but when George Floyd happened, you know, I'm seeing companies posting things about it. I'm seeing my friends who never talked about race or who never were concerned in the past at other incidences that really bothered me, you know, five years ago, three years ago, all of a sudden this one incident caused them to talk about race. And in some ways it opened the door wide open for me because I just felt like the, I've been thinking these kind of things for so many years, 22 years in the business and I've held it to make everybody feel more comfortable. I've held on to these things to make all of you feel more comfortable with me and with, um, you know, and not feel guilty. And at the end of the day, I'm not speaking my truth. I'm not sharing my experiences or my concerns for my husband and my brothers and my father. I'm not sharing that. And at the end of the day, we're not a better industry if we're not talking about diversity. And, and so I think this is the first step. The first step is to have these kind of conversations. And I've built close enough relationships where I'm honored that some of my white friends have come to me. Yeah. They've come to me vulnerable, like you're saying. They've come to me like, I don't know what to say. And while you can't go up to any black person on the street, <laughs> just right. Ask that stupid question. I feel like I'm in a position in, in our industry where I might be able to, I am going to be able to bridge that gap. Sure. Right? Yeah. I think, and, and I love what you're saying. You, you don't, if we relied only on what the TV said to us, yes. we would be like, we're so trapped as a society, as a culture, we're so trapped by the narrative that gets pushed to us. Mm-hmm. And I love what you just said. Like, Hey, but you got to understand, I've been holding a lot in for the sake of navigating this product, you know, because of my responsibilities at work. But, you know, but also, hey, it's time to talk about it. And I love what you just said, because it really brings in the human element. Yeah, you don't want to approach every black man on the street. 
<laughs> just like I don't want to approach every white man on the street. I reserve the right, by the way, and this does not make me racist. Can we all get on the same page? I reserve the right. If I am walking down a dark street with my children in hand and I see some sketchy dude or per- individual that I, I'm going to cross the street. Yes, <laughs> That's my, that's my right. I can cross the street. I just got to do it. That doesn't mean, I don't know. But do you find that the race conversation just so quickly takes a left turn and, and then we're not even able to actually talk about, well, what is racism? What is prejudice? What is diversity? Because I think people go, you know, here's a perfect example. This is where we've arrived in, in, from what I'm seeing. You know, I grew up in British Columbia, Canada, rural British Columbia, Canada, small town, 50,000 people. There might be seven, you know, black people in that entire community. So when my child starts to gain their faculties and they see one of the only black people that live in the community, what do they do? They do what a child does. They stare. Right. Because they're trying to process and they, they, they go point. Well, what do I do as a father? Because I know what, I know what somebody with the cell phone is going to do. R- racist kid <laughs> right. points and stares at black person when really their poor little innocent brain is just going. Wait. Kids are the most honest. Kids yeah. are the most honest because kids in that example that you brought up, that kid sees color. They see a difference. And they're acknowledging it. And I think as adults, and I would say particularly my white friends, and I'm just kind of, I'm generalizing right now, but I grew up, I grew up with a lot of white people. So I think I can speak that um, typically are raised to not see color, to not acknowledge it, to not talk about it because by talking about it in some ways, it, it, you know, you're, you're, um, it shows that maybe you care about it, right? Like it's like a negative thing to talk about race. And ironically, when you're a person of color, you actually talk about race all the time in your house. Like it's like not, you know, it's kind of like a given thing. And, and, and because partially when you're one of the seven black people in that town, you know it. When yeah. you're in the majority, your race isn't really as, as much of, as a part of your thinking and being. Yeah. And so I, I actually love kids in that way because they see color and it's okay. I think the message is it's okay to see color. I think we should celebrate our differences, whether it be gender or color, whatever it might be. The, the hard part is when we sweep it under the rug, act like it doesn't exist. And, and I will tell you, even from raising children's standpoint, we do need to make sure we have conversations with our kids about different people, right? And and for me, for example, raising two black, black girls, I had to be very deliberate about showing them certain professions that mm. black people maybe typically don't, you know, work in. And I did that deliberately so that I can break their mindsets that are going to be shoved down their throats that you can't be certain things, right? right? We are celebrated for our athletic ability. We're celebrated for our dancing. <laughs> We're celebrated for our yeah, music. You are. Right? Like, and, <laughs> hey, and some of those stereotypes are true, yeah. but the hard part is when you want to be a scientist, 
Mm. You know, I remember in middle school being advanced in math. I had to be bused to a high school to take a, one math class, a, 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 basically a day. And I was on a bus. I was the only black child. I'll just be honest. A lot of the kids on the bus, they were Asian that yeah. were in this advanced math. I was embarrassed. Yeah. I was embarrassed to be in the advanced math class because right. I got no kudos from my black friends. <laughs> and right. so our own culture will drive certain things that this is what you're supposed to be, but it's also other cultures as well. And so you have, to me, you have to be very deliberate with children and I'm showing them a gymnast because we don't prior to Simone Biles and then we didn't mm. do gymnastics right. or I'm showing them certain professions. Look at this astronaut and I'm not talking about race, but I want them exposed to it because otherwise they might just in their heads make the, the, the jump that this is not possible. Hundred percent. I love that. And and you know, and the thing is too. You know, when I when I think about what you're saying, I've experienced it firsthand in my early twenties. I left my friends. I left the prospect of going to school, and I went and did missionary work in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. I know what it's like to be the the, the odd only, man. Out. The only one. Yeah. And by the way, I was like 150 pounds. I was a you know championship high school wrestling, you know, wrestler. Um, I was cut. No, to, to Filipinos, they go, you are a tall, fat giant <laughs> like that. And your nose is super massive. Like they, their culture is so observational. You, they would say, oh, you have chicken feathers on your arms. None of yeah. it was an insult, but it, it goes oh. back to what you just said, the, the power word culture yes. and understanding. If I make an observation about culture, that is not intended to be hurtful. Mm-hmm. It, that is just a straight up observation. Here's a perfect one. This is going to make so many people cringe because they go, well, all black people like fried chicken. Right. Dude, all Italians love pasta or pasta, <laughs> as we say in the States. I'm Italian Portuguese, dude. We eat our fair share of pasta. What are you saying? What does it matter? Now, now, if, if Wait, my, but see, let me just correct something here. Yeah. And for the record, I do love fried chicken. <laughs> I mean, come on. The, these bingo arms did not grow themselves, Carrie. So I really like fried chicken. Yes. <laughs> um, my parents are from the South, so that, that's what we do. But yeah. what I would say, though, is there are friends that I could have that conversation with. Yeah. And, I, and even me and you, we haven't really interacted a lot in real life, but I have a level of trust for you. Like, yeah. I feel like, you know, right. we're, we're good. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's almost like the pass. You give the pass to people to have open conversations that you have built some level of trust with, yeah. that, you, that you, you have some relation with. Right. And you even let those people sometimes get away with stuff that you wouldn't normally let a stranger on the street get away with. Now, is that a defense mechanism, do you think, because of that lack of trust or just because you don't know, yeah, I think we don't know up front, who, like where their intentions are? Yeah, I, I think yeah. that's what it comes down to. And that's just human nature. I think right. if someone on the street or someone on social says something to you or you see them post something like, oh, black people love chicken and they're making a joke about it or whatever, yeah. like right. it's not as funny, particularly if you don't know that person, you don't trust right. that person, you don't know their intentions. Got and it. I think that is where the you know, communication breaks down, people start getting sensitive. I think the other part too, and I will tell you, you know, when someone doesn't like me, it's not very often, (laughs) but I do have some haters, but for the most, (laughs) 
I, I have haters, but it's not a lot. I'm not going to pretend like all the people yeah. out there that think they have haters everywhere. I don't have a lot. Right. But when someone doesn't like me, you have to remember that my list of why they don't like me might be different than your list. Mm. Your list is like, well, they just don't get me. Or maybe I was in a bad mood that day. Or maybe like maybe I, I deserved not to be like. Sure. My list is that. But my list is also, is it because I'm a woman that they were ignoring me in that meeting, talking over me? Like, right. Or is it because I'm black? And even on the black, it's, um, let me, there's two categories. Is it they're a pure racist? Or is it they haven't been exposed to a black woman, right? In their life? I'm the first one. They right. don't know what to do with me. So I think. It's like, it, it, and it could have been none of those, but those are the kind of things you're going through in your head. And right. you're trying to put the patterns together. Yeah. And sometimes you're going to be wrong. You're going to jump to a conclusion that's not right. But I just, I want people to have some level of empathy that your list is not as long as mine yeah, yeah. <laughs> on why they don't like you, you know or why cool. they're ignoring you or treating you a certain kind of way. hundred percent. Yeah. That, that makes total sense to me. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, and it makes me think of, so last week I hosted an event for Kijiji Autos, which is still a branch of eBay Motors, but soon mm -hmm. they've been acquired and there's a, but we did their virtual event and the closing keynote speaker um, was a black woman from Atlanta. She's a diversity consultant, gave a really compelling presentation. And then we had to do the Q&A. Part of her presentation was about, we need to be honest with ourselves and give up our own BS. And she said in her presentation, hey, I'm about to get vulnerable. I'm going to share some of my BS with you. You don't have to like it. You don't have to accept it. You don't have to believe it. You don't have to whatever. But it is my BS. And she said, I admit that I still get uncomfortable around white people. Mm. And in the Q&A, I said, well, then let me very vulnerably and confidently share some of my BS. Sometimes as a white man, I get uncomfortable around black people because I don't know if their preconceived notion of me is like that broad <laughs> label of, right? Because yes. I am the last guy on this planet to, that sees color. I don't see color. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, who am I to judge my brother and sister? Mm -hmm. You know, we all put our socks on one at a time, just like the Queen of England does. You know, and and none of us are better or great. We're all children of God. I believe that. And, that. and that perhaps is the root of where I approach that from. Grew up in a household with four sisters. I don't see man. I see. Are you capable? Do you have the aptitude? Are you do you have the skill set that we're looking for? Then you are. There's no pay gap in my organization. All of these things I'm kind of oblivious to. But I, the one thing, what you know, my BS was admittedly. I don't know if I'm being pre prejudged because they don't back to what you're saying about like, we've, we don't mm -hmm. know each other that well. So am I just getting thrown into the white dude bucket of all the other white dudes? And you know, that of course, many of them are, you know, sleaze balls and whatever it is, <laughs> which isn't fair right? to, to just bucket you, but, but also not fair either way. Right. Like I was so sensitive to the fact that, Hey, but that's your, that's her reality. That's, that's what's going on in her world. 
And I think everybody that was listening, you know, there was this aha moment like, ah, look, just because that's what you've, you see or you deal with or you believe or you feel, that doesn't mean I even I have to buy into any of it. But it does mean that I have to agree. I should agree that that's how you feel. Like we need to find mm-hmm. that agreeability. Hey, that's how Carrie feels. That's how Michael feels. Now that we know that instead of what we do today is, no, you're We have to be polar opposites and it's we have true. to go dive into our own echo chamber. Instead of doing that, why don't we just meet together and say, I agree that that's how you feel. Yeah. And I, I think I take a very practical view on, on this in that, I really, even when I have been wronged by somebody, I right. really try to understand where they're coming from. Sure. You know, I would think, I would say that, you know, most of the white friends that I have, no one wants to be labeled as a racist. And then what happens is people start to like overcompensate and be like, no, you know, my best friend's black and no, I'm totally woke. And like they overcompensate. Um, Cause the reality is we all have some level of bias. Right. Sure. Like it, it, and we're on different ends of the spectrum, but we all have some level of bias. We all take some leaps with individuals. Right. When we first meet them, like I, I always say my bias is introverts. I'm the, if you're an introvert out there, I have a bias against you initially. I don't understand <laughs> introverts as well. I think they can be standoffish. I sure. put all these labels without even knowing because I'm an extrovert. I expect you to hug me prior to COVID. Like, that is how I, I interact. So if you come, if you're an introvert, sometimes you're to yourself and I, and I will judge you. Right. And so that's not a good example, but it's like people take leaps, especially if they're not, they don't understand somebody they don't under. And so I think as a black woman, it's kind of interesting because we have certain labels like angry black woman. Okay. God forbid I'm just having a bad day. Right. Like I, I or God forbid that I'm exerting myself in a meeting and, 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 and being a leader and a strong leader, that label I have to think about. Yeah. So I either have to not care or I have to be thoughtful in kind of overcompensating so that I don't come off like an angry black woman. And those are the kind of things to me that are taxing. Yeah. Because at, at the end of the day, no one intends to, this isn't just like racist people. But I think when you are in the majority, you don't always realize that people that are not in the majority, how much altering that we have to do in some ways to kind of fit into the norm. I'm Michael Cirillo, and you've been listening to the Dealer Playbook Podcast. If you haven't yet, please click the subscribe button wherever you're listening right now. Leave a rating or review and share it with a colleague. If you're ready to make big changes in your life and career and want to connect with positive, nurturing automotive professionals, join my exclusive DPB Pro community on Facebook. That's where we share information, ideas, and content that isn't shared anywhere else. I can't wait to meet you there. Thanks for listening.